Sam podcast. Uh, my name is Jane Thornton, and I'm one of the editors at the British Journal of Sports Medicine. And I'm joined today by Fiona Wilson and Kelly Wilkie. Fiona Wilson is an associate professor and physiotherapist in the School of Medicine, Trinity College, Dublin, where she is head of the physiotherapy program. She was lead physiotherapist for Rowan Ireland for 10 years and still practices clinically focusing on managing low back pain. She has been researching rowing low back pain since the mid-1990s and is a co-opted member of the World Rowing Sports Medicine Commission. She's lead author on the Rowing Low Back Pain Consensus Statement. And Kelly Wilkie is a sport and exercise physiotherapist with her own private practice in Hobart, Tasmania. She was an Australian rowing team physiotherapist from 2008 to 2016 and the lead physiotherapist in the Rio Olympic cycle. Kelly led the clinical Delphi study that formed part of a major part of the development of the rowing related low back pain consensus statement. So our topic today is the 2021 consensus statement for preventing and managing low back pain in elite and sub-elite adult rowers that was published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. And the aim of this was really to synthesize evidence on low back pain in adult rowers and to create a consensus statement to inform clinical practice. And the three of us were actually involved uh, quite significantly on this. And really, we had five papers that informed this last consensus statement. So I'm thrilled to really talk about this today with, with Fiona and Kelly. We had seven expert clinicians and researchers establish the scope of the consensus statement and conduct a survey of experienced and expert clinicians to explore current practice. And then from that, working groups examined current evidence summarized key issues, and then synthesized evidence for each group and used a modified Delphi process to aid in the creation of the overall consensus statement. Our final step was to combine that information from that, uh, that step and with the findings of the clinician survey and to produce recommendations for clinical practice. So first of all, what a colossal amount of work. It's great to be back together again to talk about this. So I'd really like to start by asking you, Fiona, um, can you provide some perspective on how this came about? Thanks, Jane. Um, I agree. It was a colossal amount of work, but it was teamwork. And UNRO was very good at teamwork, I think. So it was a complete joy for me to do this, working as a part of this team. So for me, it goes back quite a long way. I I was a, was a rower. I, I am a rower again. And um I was doing quite well in my rowing in the mid-90s. I, like many female rowers, I'd kind of gone through my early 20s into my mid-20s and, and I got better and better. And I'd won the South African Rowing Championships in the pair and got selected to row internationally, hopefully rowing in one of the big international regattas that year. And we were the first women to, got, to get selected. And the increase in training that was associated with that, well, gave me an episode of back pain a quite severe episode of back pain and at the time I didn't really know how to manage it I was working in a great sports practice um, and actually that was the end of that it, it got so bad that I couldn't keep going and I actually then left South Africa feeling fairly miserable um, and didn't really row again for many years I then went to Dublin and did my master's in sports medicine and I decided that I'd make something out of this and I that was the first bit of research I did on rowing low back pain. So I looked, looked at biomechanics. And then I went on to be the physio for Rowan Island for many years. So I traveled around the world with them. and kind of honed my knowledge um, on, on rowing low back pain. So lots of clinical experience. And over that time, I met some great clinicians, um, 
people like Joe Hannafin, who's with the US team. And, and what's really brilliant about rowing clinicians is they're really collaborative. So we'd have these great conversations and I learned a lot. So I, I always had a, a thought that if you really wanted to understand it, we needed to combine everything, including the clinical. I then went to do my PhD and, and again, developed it further. So looked at epidemiology, biomechanics, and kept it going that way. Um, and I saw there was this need to have something out there, some tool for clinicians to help them manage low back pain, finding a way of synthesizing research, make, making it meaningful. So I suppose it's evolved over time. I had conversations with Kelly where, when we were away with the teams and, and really brought us to that point, to, to the end point where we got together in London in 2018 and decided, what do we do? How do we pull all of this together, make something meaningful that would be useful for not just for clinicians, but for coaches and athletes? And that's kind of how it started, how it ended. <laughs> Exactly. And and Kelly, I just want to ask you, um, why do you why is it important to have a consensus statement for this injury in the sport of rowing? And and you know, why not in sport in general? Or why don't we just follow low back pain guidelines um, for adults that you know are already well established? It's such a, a super good thing to discuss, Jane, because you know, we look at consensus statements in sport at the moment, and there are consensus statements for things like concussion um, and groin pain or ACL or hip related pain that probably cover a whole lot more, you know, a greater population. This is a really specific consensus statement, and so it's a really fair question to say, why did you spend so much time and effort? looking into low back pain in rowing, which is actually really quite a narrow scope. For us, it's a big scope because we're standing in it. But what's really, really important to understand is that this injury has a, a massive burden in this sport. So what's super interesting is when we look at the risk factors for low back pain in the general population, the main risk factors are a decrease in physical activity, obesity, smoking, and low socioeconomic status. And in rowing, none of our athletes have any of these risk factors, yet the prevalence of low back pain in the sport of rowing is equivalent to the average, um, the average low back pain prevalence in the adult low back pain population, and that extends you know, right throughout ages. So we've got young adults experiencing low back pain at the same rate or above the general population with none of the identified risk factors. So it starts to ask the question of is rowing you know, a risk factor for low back pain in itself? And on top of all of that, the actual burden associated with low back pain in the sport of rowing is quite significant. So the amount of lost um, training days, modified training days, but also the athletes that retire to the sport. When you're standing in, um, you know, when you're standing in the sport and treating athletes and realizing the impact that it has on so many, you become motivated to try and make that change. So drawing all of this information together to really understand, you know, can we reduce risk? Like what are the risk factors? What are the known risk factors? Can we reduce risk? But also if we can't reduce risk significantly, how can we reduce burden is really, really super important because, you know, when um, we have a 12 month prevalence of one in three rowers getting low back pain, you know, we wouldn't be accepting of that sort of prevalence for any other injury in any other sport. It's our, you know, our, our greatest cost, if you like, and our greatest prevalence in the sport of rowing. Yeah, fantastic. And, you know, and the, the other side, when I've had athletes come in who want kind of every medical intervention possible to kind of get rid of their back pain, I mean, part of this was looking at the actual management um, and treatment 
So, you know, even if there are no red flags as an athlete, you kind of get into this mindset of wanting everything done possible and potentially the more interventions, the better just to kind of cure that episode of back pain. But just based on the work to date, I'm wondering if, if either of you could comment on, um, you know, potentially some of the findings from the treatment that came into this consensus aspect, but um, maybe expanding on the advice that you might give them about management of, of rowing low back pain, rowing related low back pain, um, maybe specifically as it pertains to exercise or something else that you had in mind. Um, I, I might go first here because Kelly did this amazing project on the Delphi. So that's one of my, uh, my favorite papers ever, but it, it just come into uh, one of mine was the, was the um, athlete voice. And I think it really rang true for a lot of us because I've been in that situation myself and I think maybe all of us and we've certainly seen athletes in this position that they were afraid of telling their coaches they're afraid of telling their peers their, their teammates so there's a culture of, of secrecy um and, and we all know what rowing is like you know you row 2000 meters it's not it's not pleasant and certainly some parts of the race you start to reevaluate re whether you ever want to do this again so we know that rowers can tolerate pain and I think Sometimes that culture has flipped over into how they manage pain and injury, which which really raised an alarm bell for us. So we have we know that if you deal with something quickly, the chance of a, a better outcome is is much more likely. So we we saw there was a lot of rowers wouldn't tell their coach, wouldn't tell their teammates, and and that was associated with poor outcome. So one of the first things that came out of this is create this culture where rowers can be open. And they can tell their coach. And I think, Jane, you were really interesting because being a, such a brilliant international athlete, you said, well, you know, if the selection's coming up, you're not going to do that. So this is really about finding a safe space as an athlete for someone who you can talk to, you can trust. And it's about altering load. It's not about saying you're weak, you're no good, you're not going to make it. It's about keeping our talent in there. And I think one of the athletes said, they had a coach who had an attitude that you throw 12 eggs at a wall and see which ones don't break. Well, I kind of think the ones that might break, they might have been really good athletes as well. So so I think one of the, the first things that's come out is about creating this culture of open, openness that they, an athlete can speak up quickly, you can alter load. And then already, like we, we don't know how that lead, how that influences prevention, but it's likely to lead to better outcome. So I think that's a really good starting point that we, we got from that. And then maybe a flip to you, Kelly, with some of the key things from the, the Delphi that you, you came out with, because I, I loved how it took it through and you, you had your triage, your early mid, and then return to sports. I think there was some fantastic bits of information in there. Yeah. So, you know, what was what became really obvious when we when we synthesised the evidence is that the treatment of low back pain in sport hasn't been well researched. And when it has, the, the quality of studies has been quite low or the research has been very single intervention studies um, that have shown that exercise is probably our best type of intervention, but really not followed how we treat low back pain in sport from the point of initial triage to return to sport, but also return to performance. We don't want someone to just get back in the rowing boat. We want someone to get back and be able to perform as well as they possibly can. And um, the, there was only one study that we found that had been that had been 
um, looking at rowing and um, how we might treat rowers. And that was in adolescent girl girls, having a look at screening them at the beginning of a season and seeing if you could provide some intervention to decrease their risk of low back pain during the season. But certainly none in the adult and um, the elite and sub-elite level populations at all. So that's what motivated us to do the Delphi study. And so we surveyed um, clinicians both um, doctors and physios from around the the world. So we got a really great response from um, our international colleagues that filled out a survey that really took between an hour and an hour and a half to do. So the amount of um, information that we got was quite colossal. It was a huge amount of data to synthesise. But what came out of that was all of this really rich, fabulous data from the point of initial contact right through to the end of you know return to sport. So we were able to synthesise that into statements and get um, experts, those who've been working with rowers for a very long period of time um, at, a, at a high level, to be able to rate those statements. And um, hopefully those statements will help guide the next lot of research of, you know, this is what our clinicians think. And now let's test that in um, in the evidence-based world to be able to decide, you know, the exact right management for rowers going forward. But some of the learnings that we got from that were really fabulous. And um, really what we learned was that the the treatment of low back pain really follows the recommendations of adult low back pain guidelines. So certainly the series of research that was studied that was published in Lancet over the last few years you know we don't disagree with any of that in the first six weeks but there were some really unique recommendations in regards to rowing and the great thing about working with athletes is you are pushed to make change really quickly and so what our clinicians agreed on is a really early aggressive unload from aggravating activities and we know rowing is a sitting sport. It's quite unique. It has this cyclical load on the lumbar spine. So getting away from that really, really early, unloading that on the erg and on the water, um, focusing on what the athlete can do to actually make them continue to exercise, continue to be fit, and gradually reloading the athlete back up were the main priorities. And um, Jane, you touched on the question of athletes come in and they want everything to turn things around really quickly. But what our clinicians decided, which really lines up with the adult low back pain literature, as well is that um, you know significant medications so you know high level pain medications um, really aren't warranted um, that early imaging is not warranted that early surgery is not warranted this early aggressive unload focusing on what the athlete can do progressing their training load so that they eventually do more and more rowing so more and more load on their lumbar spine again and less and less cross training over time were the real key themes that came out of the Delphi and it really does delve into a significant amount of detail and so um, all of the statements that we rated in that Delphi study are, are, are published in, in that article that was published in BJSM um, uh, last year in 2020 as well. So I'd encourage you to, if you're really interested in rowing, to go and have a really great read of that because the data is really rich and hopefully that's what's going to drive future research in this area. That's brilliant. Yeah, thank you both. And I think, I mean, a couple of things come to mind on that. And and I might start with the athlete voice in particular, and and just the language surrounding uh, talking about low, low back pain and having a, an, an athlete a return to performance, as you uh, so eloquently put it. And then I think we might finish up by just taking some maybe takeaways for the researchers out there who are doing similar work in consensus statement building, what are the key takeaways. And, uh, you know, I really liked um, for both of you and, and Kelly, just in that very succinct way of the clinical takeaways, um, maybe provide some of those to our listeners as well. So just as we kind of focus back here on athlete voice for a moment, Fiona, because I, I remember that paper and just so interesting to get that rich data from 
the athletes weighing in on on how um, uh, you know that feeling of concealing if you have any low back pain and you know I remember when I first started as a rower I, I had some pain in my low back as my muscles started adjusting to physical activity but I was a really sedentary kid um, and I remember kind of going to an allied healthcare provider and being told I wasn't flexible enough to row that I mess up my back if I continue. And I think it was really well-intentioned, but I was a teenager. I kept on going anyway, but I didn't, I really had a rowing career free of back pain from that point forward. But I suppose that made me curious um, about how we use our language to, um, you know, explore athletes' potential, talk about potential risk factors, but also, you know, when we're screening potentially an athlete or helping an athlete rehab, how how important using um, the right language would be and and kind of what the patient or athlete is patient uh, wants to hear and how best to encourage them to return um, back to sport if they've had a, a low back injury or perhaps if they have those risk factors. So um, yeah, Fiona or Kelly, either one, if, you, if either of you wanted to kind of touch on any, any aspects of that, elaborate a little bit more. Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting one, Jane. Um, what was quite interesting, what was fascinating in the um, quali study was that it seemed to divide into two types of athlete the ones with huge self-efficacy and the ones without and it didn't reflect on how well they'd done we had successful international athletes would be would catastrophize and had really honed in on every um pathological thing that could be wrong with them and that almost ruined their life and then we had others who'd say i don't care i'm going to keep going anyway uh, it's not important and and it was very difficult to, to define how they got there. But I would say that one of the things is about be very open with your language, um, explain very clearly. A couple of them reported they got mixed messages from um, healthcare providers. So I think hopefully this consensus statement will help that there is the information there. It's all synthesized. Um, so I think that is really important. And that actually it's really common and almost normal for rowers to get back pain you load the back so there is a response to loading it there but for the vast majority of rowers they recover from their back pain and we've got olympians who've gone on and won gold medals we've got world champions who've had episodes of back pain and recovered from it really well so that's that's a good news story so i think that's really important and that's one of the reasons why we were really keen on our consensus statement that we had athletes and coaches on our team and we got them to have a look at it and they went through it and they said, I don't know what that means, that bit makes sense to me. And we've created a plain language version because it was really important that it got out there, the information was meaningful to them. So um, I think we were pretty excited about that and I think it's a good way to go. Even for clinicians, for some clinicians that's really gonna help them as well, that it's very clear and hopefully they'll get some of the language from that and, and, and use it when they're managing um, rowers with low back pain. Yeah, and I would I would add to that on the, on the other side of that, we need to make sure that um, clinicians aren't contributing to the to the actual scare and the fear amongst what rowers think about their low back pain. And and rowers said that to us really clearly in that athlete voice statement, which is fabulous. But um, one of my favourite sayings when I'm educating other clinicians about how to how to um, manage an acute episode of low back pain in sport is don't become the yellow flag. Um, if you're 
An alar- if you're alarmed by an athlete's presentation and seeing someone with acute low back pain um, is quite distressing, you know, and if you're on the sporting field and you see it just after happening, it's actually a, a really horrible experience to go through. So your reassurance um, and your calmness and your ability to explain to an athlete what's going on, to be able to work through and, and ensure that you really understand that there are no red flags and communicate that really well to the athlete is actually a super great start. And we know that our athletes aren't immune to the psychosocial um, influences on low back pain that we see in the rest of the adult population. And there's been some really beautiful research in that area um, addressing um adults fears and being able to explain what's going on gradually pace and grade people through things and we do need to do that um, in the rowing population for those athletes um, that are worried about their back pain or maybe have experienced back pain at a point in time where there was a lot of stress coming into a major event like an olympic games um, but really we can have a massive influence as clinicians with regards to how we explain that how we reassure them how we tell them that our um our Um, I suppose, influence on them is to make them as robust and resilient as they can to be able to get them back up to a a reasonable training load, to be able to ensure that their spine can actually um, cope with that training load and that not all training load is bad. Like we really do, um, we don't need to take away that training load is a risk factor in itself. It's how we get there. So if we get there a bit too quickly, we know that people get sore. But actually, if athletes can tolerate really high training loads for a three-month period, we know that's quite protective. So really being clear about what we're aiming to do and where we're aiming an athlete to go so that they can reduce their risk and communicating that really clearly to a coach or to a parent if it's an underage athlete so they really understand what's going on. And, um, you know, I can remember a coach saying to me once, you know, can we reduce the risk to zero with this injury? And, you know, I don't think we can. It's like a lot of sports that you've got this fine balance, which is what you touched on, Jane, with regards to, you know, you can reduce the risk definitely, you know, as low as we can, but you're not going to perform. Like you, you need training load to perform. And so it's this balance of making sure that we've got a good intelligent way to get up to a high training load, to maintain that training load um, for optimal performance and to reduce risk of injury. But um, in getting there, we're always going to probably have some incidents because of the nature of the sport with that sitting and cyclical loading. So when it does happen, how can we turn things around really quickly with a real athlete-centred, coach-supported um, environment, if you like, and culture to make sure everyone's part of the team? Fantastic. That's great. I, uh, you know, I just, I want to end it on those words. I think if we had maybe, you know, a two or three key takeaways for the the listening uh, those listeners out there today uh fiona what would you think from a perspective of consensus statements should we be including the athlete's voice plain language should this be kind of something that you would see in future consensus statements or if you had any takeaways for those undertaking this sort of uh project and then and kelly then maybe if there's one or two clinical takeaways um and then we can direct a any interested readers in looking at the links in the in the show notes for infographics and so on. So Fiona, I'll pass it over to you for that, uh, that question. Yeah, I, I would say if someone's doing a consensus statement in the future, think about all the components that influence this. So you've got obviously biomechanics, epidemiology, research and management, but then think about 
what's meaningful. So it's athlete and coach voice as well. And then the clinician voice. Um, so that evidence-based medicine, that SACIT thing, you know, it's the, it's the patient voice, it's the clinician voice as well as research. So, so that, and, and, um, and I think plain language is really important. It's about <clears throat> making it accessible and, and creating impact that if, if people can't understand what we've written, then it doesn't get down to the people who really need it. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. And um, so, and Kelly, did you have any final couple of takeaways for clinicians? Look, I think um, one of the things that we learned through this process, which is really important that we haven't touched on, was what constitutes an episode of low back pain? Because you're so right, Jane, that you ended up feeling some pain in your back that may well have just been muscles adjusting to load. And so, Really what we agreed on through this process is a definition for low back pain, and this is going to be really important for research going forward because we need to define it, is that when you experience low back pain as a roller, um, we count it as an episode if it does change what you're actually planning to do. So if you can't do your planned training or you can't, you have to rest from your planned training, we would call that an injury rather than just an experience of pain. And what's really important about that for coaches and athletes is because when that happens, that's when you need to seek support. So you need to seek support from someone that's got experience with um, managing and treating low back pain in rowing. Um, you need to have this early aggressive unload to turn um, that pain state around relatively quickly and get you exercising again. That's what the literature tells us is really important. And that's certainly what all of the clinicians within our um, Delphi survey um, agreed on wholeheartedly. So acknowledging that some discomfort in your low back is normal for rowing, but when it stops you doing what you have planned to do, that's when you need to get help. Fantastic. Thank you so much, both. I'm just thrilled uh, thrilled to have you on today. It's been such an honor to work with you. Thank you for your leadership, Fiona. Thank you for your clinical insight and uh, just in leading uh, the other aspects of it, like Delphi for sure. Um, Kelly, just uh, fantastic to have uh, your angles and insight on this and, and expertise that's obviously lived experience um, combined with uh, just clinical and research acumen. So I'm just uh, thrilled to have you on today. For those uh, interested, we'll put some links in the show notes for the various papers, uh, infographic, potentially plain language uh, summary there as well, um, some other links and uh, so that you can uh, look into more of Fiona and Kelly's work and we will leave it there. Thank you so much. Uh, to our listeners today and we hope that you enjoy other BGSM podcasts and that you have a physically active day. Thanks so much.